I've been through quite a long journey. I went to school. I went into small business and went into working as a security guard uh, just to try and raise some money for my to sponsor myself for studies. Um, and currently, though um, I'm having now a master's degree. In what? In forced migration from the African Center for Migration Society at Vet University. And um, it's quite good for me. I always feel proud of having it because it's something that uh, at least I can go out there and look for. What has the attitude been in South Africa towards you? Um, the attitude that I got first, I think um, it was... First, the attitude toward me as someone who came in qualified... Um, I realized that I, I was not, I was like unemployable, though I'm qualified. Um, because the qualifications that I come with are not face accepted. I had to undergo a lot of bureaucracies and uh, uh, it becomes like a bit questionable. Uh, and you feel that you really have to make an effort. That's why I studied here again to try and fit make myself fit in the society and do you fit in better now well not really because again there are other challenges that come with it um, you find that you need this type of document they will need like your home affairs your other you know every department will want some other document for you to be employed and that has been the challenge so a lot of bureaucracy yes how would you would you like to go back to the drc well, I, I would prefer to go there if there was peace. But up until now, there haven't been uh, really uh, peace. You did say just now that in the beginning it was very difficult. You weren't accepted by other South Africans. But um, as things have changed over the years, have you made some friends here? Have you made a social circle of friends, people you can go and visit? Yes, I, 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 go, I got quiet because I'm, I'm a churchgoer. And you know in church always uh, mm. you'll easily find some people who will really not behave badly toward you. And uh, it's been good to some, although it is bad to some others, but it is good to many. But uh, normally I always say um, to me, like, rejection comes from, I, I, I experience it much from the government side. Mm. Rather than, than, from the, South than, than South African people themselves. I really understand that refugees are not a threat. Have you had dealings with people you think might be corrupt? Have you had a problem in that regard? Well, yes, um, especially within refugee reception centers. Um, Have you been, been asked for money? Uh, not personally, but uh, you know, since I work with community, other refugee community members, I've really been experiencing that. There have been a lot of um, experiences, actually, that came to me, especially because there was a time I was working as an advocacy officer in one of the refugee organizations, and uh, people used to come to me with those kind of uh, uh, experiences within reception, uh, refugee reception centers, and it was actually a barrier for them to access uh, proper documentation. Can you give me a specific example? Was money asked? Well, yes. Money is asked. Um, although sometimes not directly, but, you know, it's, 
it's like those who do corruption know their way mm. through it. Where is your family? Do you have them with you? Yes, I've, I'm here with my family, my wife and kids. How many children do you have? I'm a father of four. And they're all here in South African yes, schools? Yes, they were all born here, mm-hmm. actually. How do you see the way forward? You were saying just now, Darius, that you don't necessarily want to go back now. It's very difficult given the situation and the circumstances in the DRC. Do you foresee yourself ever going back to your country of birth? Sometimes I wake up, I'm like, I'm just going there today. Well, because Mm -hmm. it's my country, I love it, and I really... It's actually a very good country. It's only the political situation in the country that is not really good. But Congo itself is a country. It's a very nice place to be. Everyone, I think, would like to be there. Uh, The only problem is that, you know, when there is war, when there is fight, people of my caliber, for instance, I feel like I can't be there and just keep quiet when I see the type of atrocities that are happening. I'll be forced to, to talk and... When you say something, then you'll find yourself in big trouble. So I'm um, trying to avoid that. Are your parents I'm... still there? Yes, they are. So you must be very worried. What sort of communication do you have with them? Well, although it's not really safe for them, but they are like gotten used to the, to the system. But um, it's not really for them as well. Darius, you were referring just now to the fact that you've got a master's degree in forced migration. That's from Wits University. What does that entail? Something that I was really keen to do. And I'm happy that I understand migration now. And to me, since I did it, I really understand that refugees are not a threat. It's one of the things that I've got. But forced well, migration meaning that you're forced to another country yes, because of war? Yes, you are forced. To, you not live just without any reason. There are reasons you leave your country. And those reasons are mostly genuine. Especially if you can just maybe single out refugees. You find that they are forced to leave. And if they, what bothers me much is that when they come to countries like South Africa... They seem, they seem not to be understood, and that actually turned into their crisis. Do all the refugees speak with one voice from the different countries? Um, not really, because, you know, if you're coming from different countries, you'll definitely have different backgrounds, different cultures, and all that coming together. Although your experiences will be sometimes the same, but... Um, you will not still face, I think, the same problems because I think some problems will go based on the experiences you got from where you came from. Ons praat volgend oor die feit dat 68 miljoen mense wereldwijd ontwortel is. In Zuid-Afrika alleen is daar 100.000 geregistreerde vluchtelinge. I want to get back to something uh, you said just now. We were referring to the fact that some of these people are middle class people. You an excellent example. You were a social worker from the DRC when you came to South Africa in 2000 and now you've got a master's degree and so on. But would you concede to the point that not all refugees have professional skills to offer South Africa? Um, I would say minority. Well, not all refugees have, but even those who do not have, when they come here, because you know South Africa doesn't have like um, really anything to directly offer to them. They need to do their best to try and fit in the society. Mm. I remember there's an example that I can give you when I came here 
uh, in 2000, people were not selling like I see in the CBD today mm. all over the, the, the town. And I think that's one of the things that foreign nationals actually brought to South Africa. But now, today is no more foreign national alone. It's South Africans and foreign nationals. They're all in the business. And that was Darius Kikomba, who's a former refugee in South Africa. So for more on this, we are now joined on the line by Operations Manager of the NGO Coordinating Body of Refugees and Migrant Communities, uh, Balzolakio Swamba. Um, Balzolakio, good afternoon, and I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Yes, uh, good afternoon to everyone. My name is Basila Tramba. I'm an uh, operation manager at the Coordinating Body of Refugees and Migrants. It's correct. You pronounce correctly my name. It's fine. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Update at Noon. Uh, can I just first start by asking whether you have any statistics in terms of exactly how many refugees there are currently in South Africa and which countries do they largely come from? Exactly, to give the statistics of South Africa, as uh, it is difficult because uh, going through the literature of migration in South Africa, we don't know how many refugees are in South Africa, how many of them are refugees, uh, asylum seeker or refugees. This is very difficult. But at least, but uh, anyway, we know that we have a number, a big number of coming from Zimbabwe. Uh, it can be the first country of uh, having refugees and migrants of Africa, as well as uh, people from uh, Somalia and Congolese. I mean, those three countries are showing that we have a number of refugees and migrants of Africa. And, so and, and Nigerians mm-hmm. who are economic migrants, most of them, because they don't have uh, papers, uh, let's asylum seekers, but they are economic migrants. So number is very difficult to say how many they are in South Africa. And how easy or difficult is it to actually attain refugee status in terms of South African law? Sorry, come again? I'm asking how difficult is it or how easy, perhaps, uh, is it to attain refugee status in terms of South African law? In terms of South African law, you know that uh, migration law is changing each and every year. The police is changing. The problem is that uh, it, it is safe. It says that uh, after six months of uh, claiming for asylum seeker, they need to give you what they call it Section 22, where the people are calling asylum seeker. But it may come that it, it happens that on the ground that we have people with uh, 20 years, 10 years, they are still asylum seeker in South Africa. So it is difficult for asylum, for, 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 for only for asylum, and for being a, a refugee, it means that if you accept it by your claim, through your claim, you to be, to be uh, accepted as a refugee, it is very difficult because some of the claims are rejecting. It is not easy for people who are coming to South Africa claiming for refugees to be to be accepted as a refugee in South Africa. These these issues are showing that it is not easy for being uh, 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 accepting as a refugee in South Africa. So what would you say are the reasons why it is difficult? The, the, the reason uh, it is, I may raise that the reason, because if you go through officials of OMAFES, some of the claims are rejecting because it's a, a willingness of the refugee status determination officer, because you can claim, your claim can be correct. 
But according to you, the officer is going to tell you that the claim that you are telling me doesn't stand for you to be a refugee in South Africa. And they can say also that where what what, what you, you you are you are saying, I don't I don't I don't trust it. But it, it's also the problem of that the corruption at the Department of Home Affairs. That's why the problem that is going through. Because somebody can say that maybe he he comes at the, uh, in front of a refugee determination officer with a claim which stand, but the officer is going to tell him that how much do, do you have to give me so that I can maybe give you a refugee status. And tell I mean, me, that corruption also is involved in uh, in uh, having refugee status in South Africa. Well, we hear a lot of that. And, and, and what do refugees do in that instance? Do they actually comply uh, with the uh, request for bribes? Or what do they do? But the problem is that what the refugees are doing, we have to do with the you know, uh, uh, power, language of power. A refugee is looking for a paper. And uh, once it cannot be like coming today, coming tomorrow, Transport from I mean from Jobeg or from wherever to Joe to to the the refugee reception officer is going to get tired. So it's weak. So the power of uh, of, of having a paper maybe from the better bribe accept the, the, to bribe and to have a paper. You see, they do comply with the, what the, the refugee determination officer is asking. Because you need a purpose, it can be released. And, and, and whilst I understand that sort of desperation, uh, do you then uh, not understand how this exacerbates the problem? It perpetuates uh, this uh, system of bribery that has become endemic. Sorry, come again? I'm saying when people pay those bribes, when refugees actually pay those bribes, and whilst one understands the frustration, it doesn't really help their situation in the long run because if some people pay it, then everybody will be expected to pay the bribe. Yeah, you know, the, 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 the bribe doesn't say the name and the type. You hear only people saying that. I receive. You can say you approach one of the one of the refugees. Going to tell that when I was there, I was doing the interview. This is what I paid, and it's going to tell you exactly. But most of the claims that are receiving in the office, people are coming with such claims. But they know we do inform them that it is for free the paper. But you can tell a refugee it is for free. But while he's in need of a paper, he said that officer of the determination officer told me, asked me about money. I don't have any choice. I have to bribe him so that I can have it. So they bribe, they have paper. Though it is, we, we do as a, 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 a community organization for refugees, we do something. don't bribe, don't accept to give the bribe. But they do give the bribe because they are very weak. Just a final question, just a final question um, about Zalaglakio. We know that xenophobia is a problem, but how is this impacting on refugees? Yeah, you know, xenophobia is uh, an issue in South Africa. Most of them for people are coming from outside. I mean, asylum seeking refugees. But can I say that uh, refugee, uh, let's say, uh, it's it, it was a institutionalized in South Africa. Let me explain to you a little bit. It is written on the refugee status. 
that you may work and study. But you can go to a, a company, they say that you can't have a job here and find a South African to work first before you work. So you have, uh, uh, it is written on your paper that you may work and study. You see, and that time, you don't have a choice. It, it is a kind of xenophobia that is around. And what is happening? This is only one example that I'm giving. But another example is what? During September and December in South Africa, people were traveling with the taxis. And you can say that they can ask you. You don't know somebody asking you, are you from outside? Say yes. When are you going back to your country? This is the question they do ask around December, October, November. They don't know who is a refugee. They don't know who is an asylum seeker in, in, in South Africa. It's a kind of xenophobia. You see, it's a kind of xenophobia. And you can be maybe you are, you are in the taxi and the taxi driver is telling, in speaking to you in, in, in the language, in one of South African languages with you, which, that you don't understand. You know, and it's scarcity for some of uh, us, uh, I mean, asylum seekers and refugees. It's a kind of uh, xenophobia. Xenophobia is everywhere and every day, if I can say, according to the claim that people are coming. Because if you go to the, in, in, the, in the hospital, to the clinic, and they'll be asking you questions, they know that it is written maybe on the paper that you are from outside, but you have to answer to Kunjani, Apila, and etc., etc. If it's answer, then they can stay you a while in the queue for long. It's a kind of xenophobia somehow. Well, uh, Balzolakio Swamba, thanks so much uh, for giving us those insights. And he is, of course, operations manager of the NGO CBRMC. And uh, we're going to delve more into this. But uh, let's also just cross over to our reporter, Jermaine Kricher, who is at the Lindela Repatriation Center in Krugersdorp on Gauteng's West Rand. Jermaine, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So um, on World Refugee Day, I just feel like sometimes we do the same things over and over. But um, with regard to the Lindela Repatriation Center, a lot has been said. A lot of reports have been uh, put out about this particular center. Uh, Is it business as usual on World Refugee Day? So I'm standing here with a number of organizations um, who decided to to occupy the road to, to the center um, on World Refugee Day, these organizations include staff through lawyers for human rights, consortium for refugee and migrants of South Africa, Doctors Without Borders, a treatment action campaign. So there are some big names in the civil society um, here. And at, at the Mandela Repatriation Center, and if they're to be believed, this is a detention center and not a repatriation center. A lot of concerns being discussed about the happenings here. Um, for instance, the fact that... that um, refugees and migrants are held for illegally for more than 120 days, which is stipulated by law that they're allowed to be held. Um, another concern that, that the centre is away from the public eye, um, just a couple of hundred metres from the main road, but all you can see between the mine dumps um, you know, are, are the grey roofs of these high brick walls with no markings, no indication that the centre is actually here with these organisations saying that this is a way to keep refugee and migrant rights out of the spotlight, out of the public eye and out of mind. So one would imagine then, Jermaine, that uh, the authorities are aware of this. So what is being done? Apparently, according to these organisations, not enough. 
Today, Médecins Sans Frontières did announce that they have lodged a formal complaint with the Health Ombuds and with the Office of Health um, Standard Compliance about specifically the Mandela Repatriation Centre. Um, some of the issues that, that they're highlighting here is the lack of oversight of health services at Mandela, the fact that there's no TB, no HIV screening, and therefore um, a, a lot of these detainees are actually being, um, you know, not, not receiving the ARVs or the medications that they need. They also say that there's a poor implementation of kind of global accepted healthcare standards here, um, almost as if you are undocumented, you are no longer a person. They say they've also seen signs of physical abuse during some of their visits here. And, um, and they're also concerned about the toll that being detained takes on the social and mental health of these people and say that social and mental health services are also severely lacking at the centre. And uh, as uh, for today and marking World Refugee Day, is there anything else that uh, they are specifically focusing on today to highlight this plight, Jermaine? I think one of the very strong messages that came across is that our country's constitution was not a generous gift that was bestowed upon South Africans by politicians. It was hard fought for and hard won. And it was built very often on the blood of migrant workers. Our constitution also does not only afford rights to South Africans, but to South Africa and all who live in it, um, which includes both documented and undocumented refugees, migrants. Um, and, and I think this is, this is a message that they're trying to get across. They say, as we celebrate 20 years of the Refugee Act that came into play in 1998, This is supposed to be a celebration and a commemoration, but instead it's a day of awareness and a day of protest against the human rights violations still taking place.